So if our version is that your mother-in-law is completely mentally retarded. No. Then you, then you <laughs> no. have an obligation to be nicer to her and and, and slowly take I, the time and the patience <laughs> to teach her not to hump Donald Trump. I will not support that statement or get in, get in <laughs> not at all. I 100%... No. Uh, no, I have nothing to do with that statement. I do not support that or not agree with it. <laughs> I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Be advised that the Literate Ape cast is recorded for adults with adult themes and language. If you are easily offended, best to cover your ears. But then why listen to a podcast, dumbass? Well, happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, yeah. Happy St. You know, Patrick's Day. I forgot. It's St. Patrick's Day. And, uh, you know, I don't I don't think we really need to talk. Given that you're Jewish and that I, um, I'm Irish as it comes, which means I don't really celebrate St. Patrick's Day at all. Right. Um, but you hosted your first bug house solo without me at all. And Elizabeth Thierry nailed it with uh, a discussion that uh, St. Patrick's Day is actually a racist expression. Yeah, she did great because she had a she had a lot of fuel because she just got back from Dublin like the week before or something like that. Like she was just fresh off of the Blarney Stone or something less racist maybe. Sure. All right, well I want to I just <laughs> for the, for the purposes of cross promotion and given it St. Patrick's Day, I want to play a little bit of a clip, few minutes of her argument right now. Um, and then we'll move on. Yes. Yes. I don't know about you guys, but as a tour guide, I cringe at St. Patrick's Day. I live for the day when I am established enough as an adult that I can take that Saturday off downtown and not work. Because it is so insane. And the crazy parts about St. Patrick's Day are, it's not us down there drinking. It's not the Irish. It's not the city people. It's the suburban children whose parents are who knows where. Letting them be drunk, half-dressed, at 11 a.m. in March in Chicago. And who told those kids they didn't need to put pants on to come downtown at 11 a.m. in March in Chicago? Do you see how cold it is outside? These are not Irish people, okay? These are not city people. These are people coming from nowhere to celebrate a culture that is not theirs and celebrating it poorly. What do they do? They paint things green, like our poor river, that could use all the help it gets. Why do we shove some more dye in it? It's actually an algae. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure it helps. I'm sure it helps. It's totally safe. Yeah, McDonald's. Anything that comes from McDonald's is totally safe, right? Keep drinking your Diet Coke. And then they drink a ton of beer and get wasted and trash our city. Okay, this is not what the Irish do. The Irish came here to build this city. The Irish came here to leave famine behind for a new hope, for a new start, for a new world, in a time when that still felt possible by just jumping on a boat and picking a new city and building a new life for yourself. This is not what we celebrate on St. Patrick's Day. She was amazing. She's uh, that was that was cool. Sweeney was very funny. So I recommend anyone that wants to know the other side of the argument go on to Bughouse. And Sweeney is Irish, that. so he carries. You know, he's yeah. got some authority there too. But 
The thing about Sweeney's is that he broke the news that Luke Perry had died. Yes, he did. At the show, and had managed to build his entire argument around that, which is just really impressive. Yeah, well, what was so funny about it was when I was editing it, I heard him do that, and I immediately thought, yeah, I'm going to cut that stuff out. Right. And then, because it, it was just, it felt like it was just a throwaway. And then he weaved the entire fucking thing, and I went, that's kind of brilliant, man. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good stuff. So, um, last week, we also said we were both yeah. going to see Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And so did you see it? I did see it. Um, I did as well. What'd you think? Yeah. I mean, it was, look, it was, it was fine. It was, it was, yeah, you know, it was, it was a Marvel movie. It was, it was, there was flying and there were bright colors it, and there was shooting and there was fighting. It was and not one, it wasn't even the top 15 of the good Marvel oh, movies. Oh, no, 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 no. You know, I, the thing is, it wasn't a bad movie, but it was just sort of a meh character. MCU might be getting a little comfortable and resting on their laurels just a bit. Well, they've kind of formed. There's a form. Like if you watch Doctor Strange, yeah, and then and then say, wait a minute, let's just pretend he's Tony Stark and he's Iron Man. It's the same guy. It's almost exactly the same story. And I don't remember Doctor Strange being Tony Stark. No, that's. I not, mean, he was he, he was, was smug, but he wasn't like. But he Playboy wasn't a smartass. He wasn't. Yeah. Let me make all these jokes, and yeah. that didn't play as well. But the thing I I thought about the Marvel about Captain Marvel was I thought it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I enjoy, yeah, my, I enjoyed it. Sure. To me, the big issue that 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 things that didn't, I I think Brie Larson had difficulty. I think uh, acting to the green screen because that's a that's a totally different sort of technical ability to do. That's and yeah, no, that's an interesting note. I just I have to stop you there because that my biggest note with Brie Larson was I thought she was fine when she was playing the Earthling alien out of. You know the Earthling alien character yeah. when she was playing yeah. Veers or, or Carol Danvers, which I thought those scenes were really kind of boring, and they were kind of boring. Yeah, because it was like setup, forced, it was, and it didn't make sense. Like she was, she like understood some Earth slang, but didn't get other things. Like, do you, you know, have memories or well, not? And and I thought, it, and to me, I think most of it was about the script and about the directors. Not that they were bad, but the script was a little. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't a great script. There weren't a lot of stakes because yeah. for well, us, we like, knew her story. She didn't. Yeah. And that's yeah, well, what she was thing, fighting for. The thing about it Where is- Where he had is, the answers. If you're going to set up this big betrayal by her team and have that have any kind of impact, you have to set up that she has a camaraderie with the team because then we go, oh, they're buddies. So that then we feel as betrayed as she does. But because they never, they all hated her guts from the beginning and there was no camaraderie, it was sort of like, who gives a fuck who if gives they a betray fuck? her? They didn't right. like her anyway. Yeah. Well, and the and other I think thing that is was kind of what it was. If you've, even if you've never read the comics, if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy or you watch yeah. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know that the Kree are yeah, bad. Yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. So it's so like uh, they're having. All right. Yeah, it was a little rough, but it still was fun, and I, I still basically enjoyed the film. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed um, it. Yeah, but I think I, I, but the Brie Larson thing, like acting to the green screen, that's a great yeah. way to put it. Because my issue that I had with her was whenever she was in those Captain Marvel moments, those hero moments, and she would have to stand there doing the hero pose. You know, it looked so uncomfortable. Like well, she I think, didn't quite know what to do, and I could—I was like, "Is this her or is this the director?" But well, I think it's a combination is, of both and the green yeah. screen because there's nothing yeah. around her. Well, and quite frankly, every time she was in a scene with Samuel L. Jackson, felt a little forced, and yeah. then you have to realize that he probably had shit all over his face because they de-aged him. Right. So she's acting with Samuel L. Jackson, and he's got all this fucking bullshit on his face. 
and the thing about it is that's just an acting style. If you're used to it, yeah. I mean, some people are. Fu- I mean, at this point, Robert Downey Jr. could teach a masterclass on how to act against things and people that don't exist. Right. You know, and just like how do you do that? I don't think she probably was prepared, and I think the directors weren't prepared, and I think they should have spent a little time with Andy Circus, and he could have, he could right. walk him. Through I was the just going to say Andy Circus is you know the king, right? Yeah, he's the guy. He's the fucking guy. I, so, yeah, I think. Right. I mean, it was. <sighs> The, the other thing that bothers me about the Captain Marvel is it's a weird character that they've like retconned as being the first Avenger now because it's you know, 19, I, it's 1995 or 1996. That's right, it's true. And yeah, yeah, that was before it's it's as Nick Fury is creating the Avenger protocol or whatever it was. Yeah, and they got it from her her her. The name on our plane, right? Well, if they're smart, what they do is, and I, and they are very smart. So I don't know if they'll do this, but I think it would be very interesting. I think it would go along the ways, a long ways to kind of create an explanation without giving you too much information. Mm-hmm. Is if in the next Captain Marvel movie, because it's making a ton of fucking dough, so you know they're going to make yeah. another Captain Marvel standalone sure. film. It'll probably be, you know, it's not going to be nineteen eighty nine or you know nineteen ninety five. Yeah. It'll be like the late 90s, but if she's still got that little pager and he pages her and she's too busy to help, yeah, that will that will start a process of saying, oh, this is why when Nick Fury is realizes that there's going to be fucking aliens coming down and destroying and the whole test rack thing, which he obviously knew all about because right. he had it, yeah. um, that's why she wasn't just the only person, why he had to go out and recruit all these guys, because she, she wouldn't was answer his yeah. page. Yeah. She wouldn't answer his page. Right. So, great. You know, so it's like, all right, so that would make some sense. But yeah, there's some stuff they've got to play with. I think... It was it was, it was was kind of a weak and, script. The acting wasn't yeah. great. And I Nick mean, Fury Law was fun. His, Nick Fury losing his eye because a fucking cat scratched his yeah, eye is bullshit. I'm ridiculous. sorry, that just sucked. I'm yeah, sorry, was some people lame. think that's a great, the wonderful, it's like, that's bullshit. You yeah. gotta lose his eye. It's Nick Fury. Lose your eye in something badass, right. not something stupid. Right. Maybe the white man in this conversation shouldn't be saying this, but why does every movie starring a powerful woman have to be a feminist statement? The thing is, they don't. And and that's the thing is, is for example, I mean, and that's, uh, we're, since we're talking Marvel, I don't think Black Panther was a black statement other than the fact that it was completely populated with black people. Which but like it, in it, the it, real life, but, but what that did but for... But in and of itself, in and of itself, yeah. that was, that was a, a huge statement. Yeah. However, the movie itself... Um, dealt with the issues of race in a much more interesting way mm-hmm. and in a much more direct way with Killmonger and... and it dealt uh, with class. Yeah, it dealt with class, it dealt with race, it dealt with... And, and so it dealt with... It was a much more complicated film. This was not a very complicated film. There wasn't a whole lot of compli- complexity to it. And we knew I all the really answers. Like, As the audience, did, we knew well, everything. The only answer I didn't know that I really liked was that the scrolls were going to end up being the good guys. That's what you didn't know? No, I, the, the scrolls have always been bad guys. They're just they're shape shifting aliens that are they're fuckers. They're fuckers, right? They've always the been scrolls fuckers. aren't the bad guys. The Kree are the bad guys. Well, that's the thing. The Kree are. Let's put it this way, and and you can make this argument in in this movie and kind of in. Uh, I mean, this is sort of a. I'm going to take an existing thing, but I guess it was going on then. In is that the Kree are, are Israel. And the mm. scroll are the Palestinians. If you look at their story, that's kind of how it works. Yeah. Well, okay. okay if you're going to be friends with somebody, <coughs> they're one's, one's sort of a super powerful state 
with a lot of weaponry, and the other are terrorists. Yeah. Okay, so really, the scrolls are bad guys, too, but to watch Ben Mendelsohn play that character, and in one scene, in one scene, go from, we're the bad guys, to maybe we're not such bad guys, and come on. And then turn that around, and then when you walk in, and it's all about his family, it's like okay, yeah, they managed. That was to the take best part of the movie. That right there I, was the I, best part. It of the really movie. was the best part of the movie, and it had nothing to do with Captain Marvel. Because I kept waiting for like, all right, how are how are the Kree going to be bad? And then yeah. I didn't expect it to because I knew that Jude Law was going to turn. I just I knew it. Yeah, oh yeah. But everybody. I did not expect the Ben Mendelsohn character. As, I can't remember his name, but to have that like that was the that only moment. emotion in the movie for me. Exactly. That and was it wasn't the moment like, where. It, Two thirds the the back end of the two thirds yeah, of yeah. the movie. That was the only moment where I went, oh, I see myself in a character. Yeah, there's a change here, and I feel something. Yeah, it's not just it's not just watch like watching a video game, which is the argument about most of these movies. As a kid, like around 10, 11 years old, I was really, really affected by the state of the world. I didn't read the news. I didn't. Like I wasn't like you know Alvy Singer in Annie Hall, you know, but I was just I was just aware that you know there were wars and there were there was violence and there were children who didn't have what I had and that it was the world could be an ugly place for people and that that bothered me, but I always felt that if we just try and we're good, you know, life will turn out. It's going to be great and there was so there was a sense of optimism, okay, through the shit. Uh, but then there was a point, and I don't know exactly when it when it happened. And I think part of it is just age. But I became a cynic. I became really cynical. Yeah. And and then I had bouts of depression. I just had like you know fucking adulthood, you know whatever. Yeah, yeah, the shit you go through. Yeah, and I think that it rocked me harder than it should have at times because I always wanted to be that optimist. And when I felt that I couldn't be anymore, like when I couldn't see the light or couldn't see the silver lining, like I still, I mean, shit, what was it? A couple weeks ago, the Chicago election, I wrote a piece published the day of the election saying, we're fucked. Like Chicago, you need to do better. We, we've got to do better, but we won't, you know, that's a defeatist. That's not optimism. That's, that's defeatism. That's, you know, cynicism. Yeah. It's well, I've also, cause I, you know, I, for somebody as blatantly optimistic as I am and I am, the thing about it is I really am. I'm not, I'm not that the glass is half full. I'm like, look at the fucking miracle of right. a glass filled with water. What's your fucking problem? This is amazing. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's the kind of blind, stupid optimism that yeah. I come from, but I'm also very angry. And I've often said it's that I'm, it's not that I'm cynical. It's that I'm a disappointed idealist. I think that's what it is. Yeah. It's the cynicism for me, became a cover for my disappointment yeah yeah and you know i I used i used to joke that i'm a guy that sees the glass is half full but i know that at any point i'm gonna knock that glass over and spill it all over my brand new suit you know right but i also know that everything's gonna be i'm i'm the optimist when the other person in the room my wife my friend whoever it is is negative Okay, so yeah, okay, I you're never reacting. join you're in optimistic. on the misery okay. loves company thing. I rarely do. Yeah. That. I mean, I'm you know, bitch fest, fine, whatever. But yeah. your optimism is reactive. I mean, like for example, like all the last three weeks, you know, our son turned a year old yesterday, mm-hmm. and you know, we had a birthday party at our at our place, and Katie was very concerned, very stressed about how we were going to fit everyone and what the food was going to be, and you know, just everything. And I'm like, look. 
it's going to be fine. Yeah. Like, we'll figure out where to put the furniture. We'll figure out where to sit. People aren't going to be annoyed if they have to stand and eat their bagel and cream cheese. You know, like, it, it's yeah. not yeah. that we know our, our family and our friends. No one's going to be like, oh, that birthday party, Harrison Himmel's first birthday party, they didn't have enough chair. You know, or some, that was some, some bullshit. Like, right? That was some bullshit. He is wounded for life. And I wasn't, you know, I didn't tell her this because, like, look, you crazy, you crazy lady. You yeah, hysterical woman, get over. It was just like everything's gonna be fine because everything is gonna be fine. Like, yeah, the party's gonna happen. We're gonna figure it out because we're good at this shit, and it's not that hard. People are gonna have fun because that's just it, like it'll be fine. And I've also had enough shit in my life where it's like I there's moments when I'm like, this is never gonna get. This is this is the end. Yeah, this is the fucking end, and it's it's not. Because I'm here, had you know. One, the thing about it is, and, and I tell it that that's what story I used to tell uh, when I told stories, and I'm going to start doing that here in Vegas. I should probably keep the story. It was the one faux suicide attempt I ever made. Yeah, which was I, you know, I was divorced for the first time, and my theater company was falling apart, and I was drinking a lot of scotch, uh, like every fucking night, just drinking a lot of scotch, and then I decided I was going to kill myself, mm -hmm. and I decided that I was going to drown myself in Lake Michigan, and that I was just going to slowly walk into <laughs> Lake Michigan until I drown. You fucking and brat. I got, and no shit. And yeah. I got up to about my, I got up to about my chest, and then realized. That it was three o'clock in the morning and nobody could see me do it. Uh -huh. And then I realized if that's a concern, I'm an asshole. Yeah. And I got back out of the fucking water and I dried off and I drank some more scotch. And I told my mom about this. And my mom said the best thing. And this is, I was 32 at the time. And she said, wow. She said, so uh, it's been a tough year. I said, yeah, yeah, it's really been a tough year. And she goes, so in 32 years, how many tough years have you had? They've been like that tough. I realized the spinal meningitis year was yeah. a bad year. It's like maybe two others. And I said, yeah, maybe maybe three bad years in 32. She goes, wow, three out of 32? That's not too bad. Not bad. And, it, and I was like, that's my optimist mom. And she's right. And that's sort of how I look at mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. And so it's like everybody's freaked out about Trump. And my reaction is, you know what? He's going to be gone and we're going to clean the mess up. I mean, I'm not as hopeful as you are, I think that <laughs> I think that the damage is done. I think that if we're not going to get back to normal, as people are saying, what the fuck is normal, first of all? But like what, what Trump has done, even if Trump lost, there would have been probably a hotter civil war than there is now because his people oh. would have, you know. So it's in a way, it's a good thing that he won. See, the thing is, I think it is a good thing that he won because it's, he represents the last gasp of a dying ideology. That's true. And yeah. and and so the thing about it is I don't, well, I don't think know we'll if it's, get although I don't know I don't think is, once you've got all these gone, young people that are getting re-empowered by their yeah, dying parents. But but this is the thing that I think. I think in terms of our political discourse, I think we had to go this far so that I don't think we'll ever go back to normal cuz the thing is normal was this Right. He just made it obvious that it was normal. It's yeah. always been that we've been lead, like I'm, I've said this before. We've been leading this way ever since JFK beat Nixon in a televised debate that he lost yeah. because he was good looking on TV. We've been going this direction in our political system for generations yeah. now. Yeah. This is just sort of like the apotheosis. This is the zenith of that movement. And so I think it's a good thing that he won and he's the biggest asshole alive and everybody hates him because 
We will make better choices. I really believe this. We as a country will make better choices because Trump, because in any way to avoid that, we don't want that kind of discourse. Yeah, you got to go through the None shit to. to know how to make the right decisions. I mean, that's yeah. that's the thing about the optimism for me is that like I've been through hard times. Yeah. So when I come across new hard times, I can look back and go, all right, where did I make things worse for myself? Look how I came out of it. How can I do this better and continue to live? Like, it's going to be fine, even if it fucking sucks. Right. Well, the, the it's gonna is, be fine because I'll figure out how to deal with the new normal or the new misery, and I'll find my way. And because that's what I do, the, that's what survive. That's what people do. That's what, Not sorry, that I'm a survivor. I want to call myself a survivor, but you know, here's the ultimate optimist's uh, perspective on failure and and suckitude. Ready? Mm-hmm. You can't possibly really enjoy a great corned beef sandwich until you've had a really shitty one first. You can't yeah. appreciate, for example, I'm in Vegas. I can't, I couldn't appreciate how awesome it is to be able to walk out of my house, you know, at seven o'clock in the morning in March in shorts and the sun is shining. I couldn't possibly appreciate that as much if I hadn't had the polar vortex yeah. as an example. Yeah. And that's not to say that Chicago was the worst and this is the best. I'm just saying. Yeah. You got to experience those worst. Types. So we can't possibly have another FDR. You know, or for yeah. that matter, Obama, if that's where the direction you want to go, until we can see right in our faces what the worst and most egregious bad guy president can be. Yeah, that's interesting because when I was in the seventh, so my, my cynicism, my misery, whatever, comes from the disappointment of the hype yeah. that I put yeah. into things, right? When I was in seventh grade and, you know, at the, at the epicenter, at the peak of my social social butterfly life because I had birthday parties and barn bat mitzvahs every weekend and two at a time, you know, it was fucking nonstop parties and seventh grade was, I pulled them, I pulled so much fucking tail, dude. Oh my God. <laughs> Honest to God. I like, if I was as, as if I went through women in my twenties or thirties, like I did in seventh grade, like Wilt Chamberlain would be like, man, motherfucker, you were busy. Like that's, all right. Just in in you know comparison. So anyway, I would I would go to these I would, I would go to these parties. And let's be clear, I was not fucking anybody when I was twelve. No, no, I know. I understand. I understood what you were saying. Uh, That's why it made me laugh. I, I was fucking them. No, um, but I would go to these parties and I would have. Oh, I would get dressed. I'd comb my hair and I'd pick up my clothes and I'd be so excited. I'm like, all right, here's how the night's gonna go. And of course, the night never went that way. My girlfriend never yeah. responded the way I wanted her to, or they didn't play the song I wanted them to play so I could have the dance I wanted. Whatever the fuck it was. So I would come home from every fucking party and be just bummed and miserable and angry and sad because life sucks because it never works out the way I want it to. And then it was at some point, I think maybe in high school or maybe even the end of eighth grade, when I realized, stop looking forward to things. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, know like, had- temper... Temper yeah, your excitement. Dana, Curb your enthusiasm. Dana, well, and Dana has the same thing where she just says, you know, she's going to try to not have any expectations. Yeah, fuck and, your expectations. And, and and for me, I'm always going to expect expect the very fucking best result. As long as I know that it's possible that I'm not going to get that and I'm not dashed to the fucking rocks right. and go cry in my fucking soup when I don't get what I want, I'm still going to have high high hopes. 
and I, what I always say is if, if, if I weren't that kind of person, mm-hmm. then after two divorces and Alice Kim, there's no chance I could have possibly said on the third date, Dano German, will you marry me? There's no way. Right. Right. You know, because at that point, it's like, you know, why ever get married? Why ever have a relationship? You're not worth it. You can't do it. And I saw her and I went, no, I see something. And I was right. I still think that optimism sounds like a retinal disease. Yeah. Well, yeah. I stand by that. I stand by that. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I think about Gilda's Club and why I got involved with Gilda's Club. Because, like, when my grandfather was going, dying from, going through cancer, you know, whatever. He had a great support system, and he had the money to afford all the treatments, and he had people to take him to the hospital. And the idea that there are people that don't is infuriating to me and heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's like, if we can we can do better, things can yeah. be better. Optimism does exist. You just have to yeah. do it and commit to it's- it. All right. We are back with Eric Wilson. Welcome. Eric, Hello. it's good to see you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So we're here, we were just talking about uh, the, the concepts of having optimism and mm-hmm. whether that is essential or kind of like, like, does that make you kind of stupid, whatever it is. Um, and Thursday, last Thursday, you your American shithole number 51 was entitled Venezuela and the White Paper. And it's the first, because I, I read a lot of, I mean, obviously I read all of the American shithole and you've been writing it for now a year. And most of them, while they're very angry, the anger, and we talked a little bit about uh, like like the anger that uh, Kimmel and I kind of engender is more like disappointed opt- or disappointed idealism. Mm, definitely. You know, and that and I get a lot of sense of that in your writing. This article, however, is not that. This feels yeah. defeated. Yeah, there's no no humor in this. So one. tell so okay, so tell us about about the article, and it, and we encourage anybody that's listening to go back to Literate Ape and look it up and read it, but tell us a little bit about Venezuela, the white paper, and why you feel it's so dire. Oh, sure. Well, there was this white paper that had been floating around, and it had been floating around for a couple of months, and uh, it wasn't really saying anything that um, I hadn't already feared or thought to be true, but it laid out... Um, both from the past uh, with all the research that we have what the projections were and where we're at now with climate change and the foreseeable events in the near future versus this is something actually that uh, a a mutual friend of ours was talking about with me Peter Athens and it was I think it's very difficult for people to think 25 years in the future, but when you say 10 years, people understand 10. Okay. And this hit me like that, too. I'm I'm like everyone else. It's hard for me to think 40 years in the future, but it's pretty easy for me to think 10. And uh, once you get through it, it's 36 pages, so it's 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 a lot to... To get through, especially if you're not really used to reading white papers. And that's yeah, that's that's thirty six pages of a white paper. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's that's, like that's heavy reading. 
It's like 700 pages of anything else. It's like a dissertation. It's like reading a dissertation. And even though his writing style is clearly not uh, traditional when it comes to a white paper, Mm -hmm. that did not make it any less powerful um, or uh, convincing. And yeah, I think for me, for the first time, as I was writing this, and I always struggle every week when I write. Yeah, yeah. uh, It's not that I'm struggling for subject matter because there's, there's just, oh it, no it is a torrential <laughs> downpour of shit on every time i turn on the television um but i i wanted to comment on something outside of the united states that i think we're going to start seeing in uh, it's gonna it's just gonna be coming faster than we thought so and, and that's and that's frustrating to me to think that we're past the point of no return i know that we can't think that way uh so i will find ways to make myself not think that way and and here here's the fucked up thing that and i i love that we're talking about this tonight because literally last night i'm in bed uh or maybe it's two nights ago literally two fuck literally i was in bed a couple nights ago with my wife and i'm reading um a back issue of time magazine from like three weeks ago and there was a, a story about what's happening in venezuela and i'm reading it and i'm getting through it and i'm just like i I don't care to read this. And mm-hmm. I turned to Katie and I said, is it bad that I have no interest in this right now? And she goes, I don't know. I've, I've given up on the news. I'm like, I'm on a news break right now. Cause she's exhausted from the shit, right? Everything, like it's, yeah. Yeah. And I, and this happens to me sometimes. Like, I'm just like, I, there's too much other shit going on. I can't focus on that story, but I feel, I feel like the Venezuela story is really important on a global scale. And in an in a American foreign policy scale, because um, Trump's a using it. Scale. Yeah, and but I'm reading it. I'm like I, I just kind of want to get to the part of the magazine where they talk about Julia Rob or Julia <laughs> Julia, Julia Louis Dreyfus because she was on the like. Mm. I just want to oh, get okay. there, and maybe it's just a shiny thing. Like, isn't wouldn't it be more fun to read about Julia Louis Dreyfus? I just spent nine pages reading about all the news in brief and Luke Perry dying and, you know, whatever the hell else it was. That's the modern, that's the modern Nero fiddling and, and the burning of Rome. Mm. We'd rather yeah. listen to Nero fiddle than acknowledge the fact sure. that we're actually burning to death. I and mean, I felt yeah. this, I felt this like, and I still feel like, like active guilt for blowing Pat. And I, I'd like to think no, that I'm going to go back to it, but I'm probably not. No, but there's so, so many uh, instances like that that we yeah. were hit with, we're inundated with every day. I can't read everything that I, even when I'm researching something, I, 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 yeah. I can't read everything that I actually bring up and put before myself. I, I have to like, you know, at least pare it down to something I can get through in a few hours. Right, uh, with so, this, I'll yeah. just I'll finish up yeah, real go quick back on the Venezuela. I, I really want to know why. You Here's have the thing about Venezuela that was interesting to me. I think I kind of alluded to it uh, in the piece is that. What we're seeing down there is the kind of thing we're going to be seeing um, purely just from the effects of the climate change uh, that we are not going to be able to reverse. Uh, What's interesting to me is that we don't even need the climate change to uh, have a, a country as substantial as Venezuela completely collapse. So... We're having these collapses anyway, Flint, Michigan, and we're about oh, yeah. to really be inundated with the uh, the, the full frontal effects of uh, Mother Nature yeah. um, bearing down on humanity, and that's just 
it, it was it was unfortunate that it was all kind of a, a perfect storm for me reading that article, seeing what was going on in Venezuela, and understanding how you know I also want to stay positive, and it's it's kind of hard. It's yeah. hard to be positive in the face of so much information that is uh, pointing in the opposite direction. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is is I haven't read the white paper because I simply hadn't had time, but. I've read, you know, I've read articles, plenty of articles about Venezuela and what's going on down there, um, and I've read enough. I've read enough uh, sort of dire stuff that's going on in the world and with the climate, and I, I kind of go back to, yeah, I kind of go back to, uh, and maybe this, I don't know if this is cynical. I, I don't know if this is optimistic or not, but my perspective on it is very similar to the the George Carlin routine, which and I don't remember <laughs> the specifics, but the idea is that. We're not destroying the planet. We're destroying our ability to live on the planet. Yeah. The planet's going to fucking live as long, you know, fuck you. The planet... Or well, even no if it bees. goes back to single it, cell. Yeah, it'll, it'll just be really nature. warm and it'll be all thing. water. Yeah, but the this planet will exist, <laughs> yeah. And we're in a hot swing. The problem is that we're in a hotter swing than we should be, naturally, yeah, yeah. because yeah. of what humans have done. Okay. Because of the abuse of, of fossil fuels, because of overpopulation... Because we're just cocky fucking assholes. Because we conquered the mastodon, mm, greedy, exactly. you know, and we got yeah, we got this fucking greedy. I think I, this is where my optimism comes in. I'm absolutely there's not a shred of my bone in my body that that tells me we can't. I, it, and, and quite frankly, we're beyond like fixing the problem in our lifetime or even in several lifetimes. However, I'm not saying we can't engineer. Yeah, survival. we can fix it. This is the thing. I when feel like it's a double mass sex to me. Like you can well, get the cancer the out, but you're never going to have tits again. It is. It is mm-hmm. exactly the same. This is the thing. This is exactly. This is no different. I mean, their stakes are much fucking higher, but it's no different than our communicating to those who support Trump. Mm. The thing about it well, is, we've really been successful. This there. is a no. Exactly. <laughs> we suck at it because they're what listening. We, do is we yell yeah, at them and right. shame at them and tell them they're stupid, and then they go, "Fuck you! I'm going to vote for an asshole anyway." Here's the thing: climate change should be. A no-brainer, like like changing some of these things. Well, yes, but it should be a total no-brainer. But because instead of saying, let's let's find some ways to do, because the thing about it is, we're not gonna beat big oil. We think we will because we're fucking yeah. right. But that doesn't matter because big oil doesn't give a fuck because they'll be dead when we're all dead. So how, this about, is how about work power with? more than anything else? It is Nobody likes power. to give it up, and yeah. and so, even right. if it means the end of the planet. Uh, that's where, certain billionaires that are involved in that particular industry, they don't really care. So that's right. So we're there, and it's when it's I've I've gone back to this. It's one of the things I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, not because you know he was the Terminator or because a kindergarten else. cop. It, really? Because, well, I, yeah, because I got a Tsunaratuma. Anyway. Um, <laughs> that was more. That, that was, was horrible. That was the worst. Was no, the worst. no, no. I wasn't saying it was horrible, but it, it actually sounded like you were doing an Italian version of him. Like that That yeah. would have been. Uh, uh, Jesus, I can't even think of who the Italian I'm trying to think of that would actually do a Schwarzenegger. But yeah. that was an Italian that's Schwarzenegger. Like, that's like Andrew Dice Clay does. That if, if, yeah, if, yeah, if Andrew yeah. Dice Clay did Schwarzenegger saying <laughs> it's not a tumor while the tumor was taking effect on his speech pass. Yeah, that would be, okay. There we go. But the reason I love Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> is, first of all, he's one of the few politicians who is aggressively going around the country working on the gerrymandering problem. I've never, I mean, he's on yeah, it. Yeah, and I'm down with that But too. he said this, and he yeah. said this probably five or six years ago, where he was in an interview, and he said, 
our message about climate change and about changing the way we behave and about changing fossil fuels, we're, we're totally wrong in our approach. He said, here's how you approach. He said, I know for a fact, look at all the money I can make if I invest in green energy. Look at all the money. And if we were just simply, instead of going, yeah, the billionaires look at it like a zero sum man, yep. if we just said, hey, they see that man, as somebody else making money, yeah. not. You an can, opportunity well, then for them don't let to... The, then give it to the fucking billionaires. You guys can make some fucking money because mm -hmm. ultimately it's not about who makes the money. It's about the change that we've got to do. Sure, but we're right. so hateful to those assholes that put us here that we don't realize that if we hold on to that hatefulness... Oh, I agree with what you're saying. We're going to lose. Well, so, that goes back to the whole coal thing like the the in 20, during the 2016 election where it was like the coal miners in Pennsylvania were the Joe Plumbers, right? Mm -hmm. You remember the, the John McCain 2000. Yeah. Eight, yeah, two thousand eight. Yeah, Joe the plumber. Uh, and I don't remember what Hillary said because most of what Hillary said during the twenty sixteen campaign was fucking detrimentally stupid. Um, but it's like, yeah, yeah, we want you to keep your jobs. We're not about destroying coal because we hate we hate you and we hate your lifestyle. What if we like brought in new work and trained you to and I realize there are new there are people that just can't be trained. Like you can't teach an old dog new tricks, all that shit. And it's not that easy. Like, we'll just teach the 56-year-old miner to, you know, do diagnostics on a windmill. Like that's not yeah. how it works. Of course, it's not that simple. But the discussion isn't even happening about bringing in the next generation for clean energy. That's because it was never about that. No, it was right. never about that. Right. And, you know, if, if that was of any interest to uh, that particular side that was making that an issue, uh, it would have went entirely differently. But we know the people that we're talking about aren't interested in making lives better for people. So, yeah. uh, you know, their facade... Which is such a weird thing to me. Like, how... How do you get how, through this life without giving a fuck about anybody? Yeah, how can you be that know, blatantly man. pricky, you know? Like, I don't know. And again... I don't know. I think we can all, like, all three of us, all the people in this room can acknowledge, yeah, they're pricks. But if we want the change to happen... Got out smart. That doesn't matter if they're pricks. And it doesn't yeah. matter if they're wealthy. And it doesn't matter... What it matters is... And it doesn't matter if women get the money or blacks get the money it matters if they get the money if they will institute the change because right now they're the only ones in the place they're the only ones with the control to be able to make those changes it's mm. thanos so it's thanos versus it skeletor yeah but yeah but we <laughs> like to make it in their interest it's one of the things I, I said and this is a friend of mine that was big big black matters guy uh, black lives matter and that what i said was i said if you really want the police culture to change then you have to, you, instead of saying you suck and you, you're evil and all this, you have to figure out how to make it in their best interest. Oh, sure, 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 sure. And you're right to bring that up. It's yeah. a great point, and it's something that I probably uh, need to remember more often because it's so easy for me to get tied up in um, how fucking much I don't like those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's really easy for me to just eviscerate and not really try to outsmart because I'm not trying to outsmart anybody. I'm just trying to unload. Yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of, I think a lot of, uh, I think a lot of America on both sides of the spectrum are kind of at that point where the, the very far right 
they're just that's why they vote for somebody they know and there isn't anybody that voted for Donald Trump that doesn't know he's kind of an incompetent boob they got it yeah. they didn't vote for Donald Trump because I've they didn't I've been saying you got it. they've got it for a while they but I'm not so sure they didn't vote for Donald Trump because he was a great president they voted for Donald Trump because they hate us and they've also well, we didn't I don't think we really realized the degree to state television the degree to which Fox is state television until oh, yeah. recently mm, and the the yeah. effect of like cuz I was thinking back you know back I don't know if you guys remember back in the 90s early mm. 90s 80s when our conservative friends started to listen to Rush Limbaugh they started to listen to and they started to see these sort of conservatives uh, having sort of a national platform on radio stations or whatnot and I can't I, I don't think it's possible for me to really reverse engineer how what what kind of effect that has had on this country if that's all they listened to for the last thirty years. Yeah, right. and especially with what Fox News has become, which yeah. is an absolutely state television. Yeah, and, and and I think that if you look at Fox News, really for the last thirty years, if there's a consistent message. I mean, there's a lot of messages, but the consistent message isn't a trumpeting of conservative values. It is a blatant hatred for the left. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so that's why and, they voted yeah, for him. Because, and why they'll vote for him again is because they hate our guts so, so much. I know. Because God, God, yeah. God forbid we lay down some bricks at a new school. Yeah. yeah and the thing about it is, like, what are you, a thing. fucking monster? Well, the thing about it is, and, and that's the thing is, I, I'm bricklaying commie effort. son of a bitch. I make an effort to talk to some of the, red, the, the most blatant red staters I can meet and have conversations with them as best I can. And the thing I've found is that most of them, and I can't speak obviously in generalizations, but most people that I've talked to that are, that would like, yeah, I voted for Trump, I'd vote for him again, this kind of thing. They have pretty reasonable attitudes about climate change. But the one thing that they do have in common is a driving yeah. hatred of all of us. Well, that's or just thing. whatever their concept yeah. is. Well, that's the thing. And that's the thing. Is whatever that, the 30 they, years they of mind, just they fucking propaganda they've been yeah, sold they on about what we are. More. They would love to have uh, a little bit more gun control. They don't want you to take your guns away, but they want to have, sure, they comprehensive. They have basic, basically pretty good ideas. Most of them that I talk to. Now, granted, maybe I'm not going to the toothless Alabamans, but... well. You know, what he, they do have is they hate us. They hate the left so much that they will give away all of those ideas just to fucking show us because we're smug yeah. and we're and we're and we're smarter and we spell our signs right and we let them know how much smarter we are. We are. We're we're, we're too and much Rachel Maddow. We're too much Rachel Maddow. <laughs> yeah. I Rachel Maddow is the. This is my biggest my issue with her. She is the smartest person in the room. And if you don't know what she knows, you're an idiot. But how dare you be smarter than her if you do know what she... It's just fucking horrible. But here's the thing. So, I mean, to your point... Wait a minute. Like, that's, what, that's what she's like? Oh, yeah. I can't that's fucking stand Rachel Maddow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Rachel well, Maddow is it, part of the save problem. Save it for another episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would love to hear about it. Yeah. Um, another episode or my divorce proceedings because it gets heated here. you know how hard it was here. for me not to have written an article this week about uh, Kirsten Gillibrand? Because, you know, I, d I despise her, but I so understand that I need to be unified uh, and not attack any of the Democrats. Even the, oh, even fuck that, dude. Democrat in name on, only like Call her, them out or, when they're bullshit. That is no, no. He's right. You're right. I, I really. Wait, who's who's he and who's 
Here's, let, let me might. give you my argument for why I do not want to attack any of the uh, voices that are uh, either running for president uh, under Democratic ticket or just that are um, particularly uh, loud voices, uh, new members of Congress. Is the enemy of my enemy is my friend or whatever that it's is? It's not yeah. just that. The, the most important thing is, is that for the last two years, we've heard nothing but this motherfucker and all of his fucking psychophants just basically screaming nightmare shit yeah. at this country. And we've had no voice. And now what we're going to have for the next year and a half is we're going to have all of these different, well, it's going to whittle down, but we're going to have all of these, by comparison, wonderful human beings making their way (laughs) into every city across this country saying something else. And I don't care what it is that they say as long as it's something else. Yeah. And that's that's why I think it's like if if we're going to play the game that we played... If we're gonna play the Bernie versus Hillary game again, we can't. We're gonna do lose that. We're gonna again lose again to Donald well, Trump. And, and here's the thing: I I that. said this. I said this in fuck maybe August September of 2016 that Hillary Clinton is the worst candidate. She is a well, t- she is terrible. And my so my mother in law. The reason I, I think she was a bad candidate are probably different than most, but we can talk about that later. Too, That's so a whole ahead, other sorry. thing because I've got a fucking, I've got at least half of the pages of what happened or the glass. <laughs> but I, I, fuck I, but that, I would love to have her as president right now. I would fucking kill to have her as president. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd prefer to have her. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. I'd prefer to no, have my foreskin would, that's been sitting exactly. in my dad's top drawer of his bureau for 40 <laughs> years than have Donald Trump. Your dad but kept it, your foreskin? Oh, my dad keeps everything. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with your dad? <laughs> Jesus Again, Christ. another, look, we're, we're like listing out the topics of our podcast for 2020 right now. Like, there's a <laughs> lot of shit to unpack here. But no, so my, my mother-in-law, who I legitimately, I love her. Like, there is wonderful things about her. It's so much so that my father-in-law told me once that I married Amy, my mother-in-law. Katie and Amy mm. are the same, which is like, you know, like I... Like, I want to put a, a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger, but I want that gun to be like a bubble gun. You know, like, oh, it's fun, but like, I just want the act of... Right, okay. So, that's a, that was the bad joke that didn't land. So, all right. Yesterday was my son's first birthday, and his great-grandparents, who were perfectly healthy and capable, and took a massive road trip last summer all over the West, won't come to Chicago. And I can only... Well, Katie and I, and most people in the family, can only assume, with intelligence... That it's because it's Chicago and it's there's shootings and there's oh, right. there's I'm there's blacks you know back like up step, back up a step how old are they seventy two okay. seventy three so that's so very it's a very good chance that while our concept of Chicago is gang violence their concept of Chicago is the nineteen sixty eight Democratic Convention which makes Chicago look like one of the most dangerous no I think he was going right. more well, the lines but of even then a chance I, I mean yeah but even then that that nineteen sixty eight Chicago happened in a park that nobody ever fucking goes to ever except that world, one though. night you know That's, you know if you're in Chicago if you're part of the rest of the world we're a fucking you know what well, you're actually well, so, bringing up an example of something that is world media fault and not actually conservative media sure. I think that's really interesting because when I was I've been away from Chicago for so long and that's my hometown and I over the period of the time that you were seeing all the stories about Chicago and the way that they were framing it in national media uh you know, I would call back and call Peter and I'd go hey blah 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 and he would tell me the truth is like yeah it's the same Chicago I've always been in 
right. one of the safest places that I've ever lived. As far as if we look at the actual record of me being there and what happened to me there, I had a really safe life and I really enjoyed right. it. And I lived there there, over are, there a decade. are deep pockets. Two decades. There are deep but narrow pockets of horrible shit happening. There, Chicago's, yes, a fun, there, Chicago's a weird place, any, man. It's any a weird, major city. That is yeah. every major city you just described. But, but Chicago every has major like, city. Where's the crown of it? I mean, it's like uh, the best of the best. Doesn't have the national media saying that right. everyone's getting murdered every yeah. day. Right. And that's what we had for, you know, before we had real news that was just a nightmare for the last two years. The, the news media was always trying to find something yeah. that they could keep holding on to that would get people to, you know, either get their click-throughs or whatever. Yeah. You know what we're talking yeah. about here. Yeah. So we saw a lot of that. That shit and and what you guys don't realize because you were in Chicago, we all saw it everywhere. Mm-hmm. So everybody was seeing it. So you were actually getting a message that really wasn't true about a city, and I, it was a, a powerful enough message that I had to call back and make sure it wasn't yeah, accurate. Yeah, right. So you know, clearly your gra- uh, your parents or your I'm sorry, your in laws in laws. Uh, yeah, you know. It's totally understandable if they were put in a position where they had a very different view about what Chicago was than versus what it really is. Yeah, and I and I don't say this with any, you know, disrespect. I I really I do like I I'm I have affection. I have legitimate affection for for all of my my in law. You know, for all of Katie's family. But we try to avoid the topic of politics when we visit mm. because it's Trump country. Yeah, and we are the weird liberal city folk half jew you know Who like just whatever want to make all of their kids gay or something whatever. right yeah and, and whatever and, terrible thing that we do and then we want we want those gay kid those gay couples to those read. gay male couples to have <laughs> we babies want read. we want them to, to we reproduce read. so we can take their uh, we can abort their baby like it's you know it's ridiculous <laughs> the thing is, the thing but is, her mom if the gay couples can well, read then they can read the bible Ooh, yeah, oh nice one it's a selling yeah. point but go. anyway, so so this moment that we had at this at the kitchen counter, a lot of signed Bibles on the uh, uh, coming up on uh, how yeah, fucking eBay weird is that, dude? Trump's that is like so fucking weird. Scroll. The moron scroll. I've never so seen crazy. it worse. Every day I, kept thinking I about, see shit that I'm, I can't. I just can't. When that story broke, I I thought about that old. I don't remember what what number it was of the American shithole that you wrote. Where you like had the Photoshop of oh, his the signature was like the, the teeth of the yeah. <laughs> It looks yeah. just like the gates to Mordor. It's fucking that's, hilarious. That's, that's exactly what it is, yeah. So the, the, the point, the momentary point that I'm trying to get to of this long fucking journey is it's like summer of 20s or early fall of 2016 and it's right before the election and we're talking to her mom and we fell into the trap of talking about politics. Ah, if we talked, were you and, trapped and in a Fox car? Could News, you not flee? Was I the mean, car moving? Kind of, sort of. <laughs> her... So Fox News is not always on. It sometimes it's the Home Shopping Network, sometimes it's the Hallmark Channel. But that's about it. It's those three. And her dad is reasonable. Like her dad is like a reasonable libertarian. He just wants the government out of his shit, right? Like he just doesn't, and he doesn't like. They're all Can swine I interject and that for kind of just thing. A yeah. Second. yeah. I, I just want to say that when it comes to libertarians, and it really, I know this is your hot button. This is really true. It, well, it's just that if you if you <laughs> if you take ten libertarians. And ask them ten questions about libertarianism. I guarantee yep. you, you will have a hundred different answers. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. And that I've, I've always, nobody I've knows that, what that word means. I've nobody. said. I've, I've always said. I used to write for Libertarian Magazine because they paid really fucking well mm. uh, in in Nevada when I when I was living in Las Vegas. Called Liberty Watch. Uh, it's still there. It's gone strange. Well, not strangely, but extremely conservative. But anyhow, 
I used to say that the problem with libertarianism is that 50% of libertarians disagree with 50% of libertarianism. <laughs> like, yeah. So I've always called the Libertarian Party the, I don't want it, I'm not gonna. That's yeah. it. Mm. I mean, it's really no, the, the fundamental philosophy of libertarianism is, I don't want that. I'm not gonna pay for it. Walking away. <laughs> yeah. But but her dad, and, and her dad is of the side. Like they're all like, don't trust any politician. Keep the government out of my shit. But the Democrats are probably worse because Clinton. Like that's sure. right. So her mom, we got in this discussion, and I'm thinking, and I know Kate and I were both going, oh fuck, how do we get out of this? Oh shit, like. You know, it's like like the the roller coaster, chick 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 chick. You're like, oh, it's too late, it's too late. We just rounded the curve and we're going down. And her mom said, "Yeah, I don't really like Donald Trump. I don't think he's a nice guy. I don't think he's smart. But I, I just can't vote for a socialist." And she was dead fucking serious. And it took everything I had not to say, Amy. Do you know what socialism? What like, do you know what you're saying? Because I get it. Like, if it's Karl Marx, I kind of understand that. Yeah. But and like, the, the electricity, the, the sewer, the streets. We're gonna come back. You can to flush your toilet. For, I, it's just we're gonna fuck. come back to the optimism. And I've said this before. I've been saying this for fucking ever since I realized I couldn't be an angry white guy anymore because mm. it wasn't as fun or helpful. Is flip it, flip it for a minute, and understand that as. Like you looked at her when she said that and you were so aghast at how stupid she was. Anybody on that side of it hears anything about white privilege, they feel exactly the same way. What a bunch of bullshit, psychological, economic bullshit there. This is where we're at. Here's the thing. Instead of looking at a political discussion with someone you violently disagree with as a thing to avoid, if we're smart... And we all agree, because we're liberals, that we're smarter. <laughs> if we're smart, then it is an opportunity to have a discussion about this. And it's not about saying, right. no, but she's not a socialist. It's about age, finding out what your, what your mother-in-law thinks socialism is. It's an opportunity to take a just yeah, load but of shit, too. Well, just you, also, you also got to know your audience. Well, I'm just yeah. saying, if, 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 if somebody that was completely mentally retarded came up and started humping your fucking leg, you wouldn't turn around and start slapping the shit out of them how, because how this person's they? kind of... Well, I guess that's true. But you, 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 you go, oh, okay, this person is completely mentally dysfunctional, so I'm going to give them a break, and I'm going to be nice to them so that they don't... so they learn not to do this. So if our version is that your mother-in-law is completely mentally retarded. No. Then you, then you <laughs> no. have an obligation to be nicer to her and and, and slowly take I, the time and the patience <laughs> to teach her not to hump Donald Trump. I will not support that statement or get in, get in <laughs> not at all. I 100%... No? Uh, no, I have nothing to do with that statement. I do not support that or not agree with it. <laughs> Absolutely, I have a problem with the, with the R word you used. I have a problem with your tone. I have a problem with your assumption. Uh, nope. But yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. I, uh, but uh, some Look, people, as, as long just, as as long as humanity has the issue, which we've always had, a very few people having all of the power. It doesn't really matter what we do. We're trying to, you know, 
mitigate the damage most of the time. Almost all of the energy that we spend as human beings when we're trying to be kind is usually to mitigate the damage. And that is, while noble and a, a wonderful way to spend your life, in my opinion, and, and it's certainly something I respect, um, if the same billionaires are doing the same horrible thing, uh, after you're long gone, uh, at mitigating the damage that the billionaires before them were doing, uh, it yes, it is a noble pursuit. But in my opinion, it would be better if we found some way to permanently, for the human race, change mm -hmm. the uh, the power construct that we have now. All right, Simeon cohort. Here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. All right. So my first thing this week is I. <laughs> I keep, I don't know what's funnier this week that, okay, so technology, technologyreview.com published a story, okay. the hipster effect, why oh. anti-conformists always end up looking the same. And yep. the stock image they used of a bearded guy in a flannel and a hat, some fucking dude was like, that's me. And you owe me money. And you owe yeah. me money. This is not cool. And it. It it wasn't him. It wasn't him. It's and brilliant. To their, it's to their, brilliant. You know, they were like, "Oh shit, is it him? Like, did we not? Is this not cool?" And they checked it out, and like, they checked with Getty or whoever it was that Wrong had the guy. image. Like, that's not him, which is just fucking hilarious. It's brilliant. It's so yeah. fucking funny. Um, so I don't know if that's funnier or if the Lori Laughlin paying five hundred thousand dollars to bribe Yale to get her girls. I just on the think that's pathetic. Just, I don't it's think it's just, funny I at can't all. Get it's, it up. It's so the anyway, dumbest thing I ever heard. But mine. read read the, the technologyreview.com story of like what they discovered because it's it's more than just hipsters. Yeah. It's like why does every fucking douchebag who works in banking on a Friday night wear jeans or chinos or khaki chinos, a plaid or gingham shirt and a fucking black uh, North Face vest. Yeah, why does every uh, retired police officer wear a Kirkland shirt, a pair of khakis, and some Timberlands? Yep. They all do. It's, they all it's, do. So it's it's really it's, it's really interesting, and it's very funny because of the, the hipster thing. All right. But yeah. Um, my first is, uh, and this is something I thought was, because I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with lots of emotions. You are? Because of the move. Oh, yeah, the move. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of emotions going around. And, you know, and I and I make the statement, I've, sta I've said this before, that the, a lesson that I learned in my 53rd year is treat your emotions like you would a dog and just train your dog not to shit under the sofa. And I've made that comment. Well, okay. There's an article um, and it is, oh shit, I got to find it. Hold on. Okay. There's an article on longreads.com. We know how I love longreads. You love longreads. Yeah. I love longreads. It is by Hope Reese. Hope being, you know, an operative word for this podcast. <laughs> um, but the name of the name of the piece is I Cannot Name Any Emotion That Is a Uniquely Human. That's the title of it. I cannot name any emotion that is uniquely human. It's an basically it's an interview with primatologist Franz Duval. Um, he says, we don't like to admit that animals, especially apes, have emotions just like ours. And science has just become better at studying apes and animal behavior than humans. Because, And one of the things that's very interesting about it is that when you study human emotions, mm -hmm. humans lie. Oh, yeah. They tell you what you think you want to hear. Animals don't do that. So you get a much cleaner control group from yep. animals. And yeah. so this whole thing is an interview about... about how emotions are more physical 
and that animals have the same emotions we have and, and that they're, they're actually better at mitigating their emotions than we are. It's a great article. Great. Okay. Uh, so my next thing is a do. Uh, I, I just talked about Gilda's Club. Uh, I'm running the marathon in October. Far out. Congratulations. Yeah. And <laughs> you fucking idiot. Right. Because for some reason, I'm hitting people... myself in the face over and over with a hammer in October. So thank you. Well, you know what? Too. I will give you money. Yeah. To support a charity for you to hit yourself in the face with a hammer over and over again. Because for some reason, if people run a fucking marathon, everyone's like, here's money. Raise money for your charity. I want give. It's the weirdest thing. So I'm raising money yeah, for yeah. Gilda's Club, of course. So prepare for the ask to come because I'm setting up uh, my page. and It's you. Yeah. I, if I have a job, you're getting some money. Fair enough. So somebody hire Don, please. Yes. So what's your thing? Oh, the marathon. Because, yeah. Well, no. Prepare to give me money to run the oh, marathon. So that's <laughs> in the support do. of Gilda's like, Club. I was yeah. waiting for a do to do now, and it's it's a do later. Okay. Right, so I, need, totally. I clearly need to work on my ask. Yeah, that was that was fun, pretty for my right, fundraising my, page. My second one is a listen. Um, it is uh, <laughs> I'm talking to Rabbi pod- Hall over here. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Um, this is uh, Ted Radio Hour. It's the podcast, the Ted Radio Hour. Um, this is an episode called "The Case for Optimism." Yeah, and the podcast is about how optimism can be the one thing that saves us from even the most destitute of outcomes: climate change, war, famine, you name it. Addressing problems in a novel way can help us see that the way out of them is with our interconnectedness. It's a very, it's all mm. about, and it's several different perspectives, but it's actually a very good podcast, about an hour long. Really good, and it kind of gives you a sense of why optimism is a great uh, choice. And what is it called again? It is called, it's the TED Radio Hour. TED Radio Hour, yeah. And the episode is called The Case for Optimism. The Case for Optimism. Yes. Okay. Yes, folks, we do the things that we tell you to do. We, we you know, yeah. Mostly. Mostly. I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm batting like a... 285 average on this very good since i don't know anything about baseball that sounds pretty good i actually have no idea if that's good i I don't even know if that's good i might be ask 13 year old david on the david bar mitzvah where his theme was bar mitzvah or was baseball i'd have fucking hit it out of the park huh see what i did there all right there you go so my last thing to do this week is a listen um this is a a, it's related to the piece that i published on thursday yes this week um what the hell was that piece called? Uh, uh, Our Weekend with Michael Jackson and R. Kelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, great, great piece. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, so related to that, this is a listen. Listen to the Wiz soundtrack. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because that's a Diana Ross movie. Yes, it is. There you go. All right. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, and, and, and mine is a watch, which is not a Diana Ross movie. I want you to watch... Overlord, directed by Julius Avery. It's on Amazon Prime. You can get it on Amazon Prime. This is my favorite kind of movie. Okay. It's basically set in World War II. It's on D-Day. The mission is they have to go, this small group, and they, I mean, they're just blown out of the fucking sky. So there's only like five or six or four of them, actually. They get, they land, you know, they, they convene. They have to go to this French uh, town to this church that has been set up with this uh, like communications blocker mm-hmm. and that all of D-Day is going to fail if they don't destroy this communications blocker 
except that they discovered that there's a German Nazi scientist inside who has taken the blood of an ancient monster they found under France and is infusing them into dead soldiers and making them invulnerable, super strong, and immortal. And it's like this zombie vampire monster movie set on D-Day. It's the fucking wow. bomb. It is so much fun. See, I you, love this movie you, so much. You don't read about that in history class. That is the problem with the American education system. Yeah, and, and the other thing, and this again, you're ignoring having, the facts, people. I just want to point this out. If you're if you're one of the three identity politicians that listen to us, just to get pissed at us and call us names, yeah, I will say thanks for listening. Not that it has not that it has anything to do with the context of the movie, but the lead character is black. Oh, so the, everything's okay. We won yeah. racism. Yes, we did. We won racism Good. because apparently he saved all of D-Day. I just thought it was a great movie. The fact that he was black had nothing to do with it. He was a really good actor. And there was a lot of, it's just fucking yeah. gonzo. All right. It's nuts. Cool. I loved it. So, Overlord. And that's the podcast. That's it. Thanks for listening. Um, like, share, tell your friends and all that shit. And we'll talk to you next week. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. <laughs>